Oh, thank you, Lord. We can worship you tonight because you are the Almighty God. You're not only the creator of the heavens and the earth, but you're my creator. And I thank you, Lord. That you're working, 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 working mightily, Lord, in the earth today. You're working, 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 working mightily in the body of Christ today. And you're working, 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 working mightily in me. Amen? Is he working in you tonight? That's a glorious thing. Oh, hallelujah. That's when you know that there is a God. (laughs) When you see the change in you personally. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, you may be seated and we're going to dismiss Children's Church. You're dismissed to go to CIA tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastors Tom and Kimberly and the band. You guys are awesome. Bring the anointing every time. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you thankful? Well, a couple of weeks ago, on a Sunday night, God had dropped a message in me. And I was able to deliver that. And then he gave me part two. And I shared that a couple Wednesday nights later. And tonight, we're going to continue along the same lines because I believe God is having a conversation with us. You know, God will have a conversation with you. He will do that personally and individually, and he also does it corporately as the church. Amen? But I know that he's speaking even to this church and to this local body. And many times as conversations go, you can start off speaking to someone, perhaps on the telephone, and you can hang up, and then you can call back later, and you can do what? Continue the conversation. And so I believe God is going to continue the conversation tonight. How many of you were here for either part one and part two? If I could just see your hands. Okay, and how many of you were not? Hey, that's still quite a few. So um, we started off talking about vision and how the vision that God gives is sight of another kind. And we gave the definition for vision and we said this. We said that it's the act or power of seeing or the ability to see. And so we know that we can see things physically. We can see with our natural eyes. But God has also given us spiritual vision spiritual insight and that ability that God gives allows you to see into the spirit realm spiritual vision gives you the ability to have insight spiritual insight and that is so important it's something that only God can grant we said this about vision we said that vision is really the prophetic voice of God So it's God speaking to you about your present, but also about your future. We said that we looked in Habakkuk chapter 2. We're not going to take time to do that tonight because we're just recapping. But we said that the Lord answered and said to Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2. He said, write the vision. When God gives you a vision, you got to write it down. Write it down on tablets and make it plain, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it shall surely come. It will not tarry. (coughs) Excuse me. So we said three things about vision. You've got to write it down. You got to read it. And when you read it, that allows you to run with it. 
But there's another thing we see here. We've also got to wait for it many times. There's a period of waiting where God gives you insight about the future. And you've got to add your faith and you've got to add your prayers to it. Amen. And so we said that that really is the foundation for any vision to come to pass. Laying a foundation when you build a building, we said that you do with cement. Cement is made up of rock. And really the word of God and prayer and faith and thanksgiving is your foundation for any endeavor that you should set out to do here in this earth. And so that brought us to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and um, verse 1. Thank you, but no thank you. (laughs) Therefore, I exhort, the Bible says, I exhort you first of all that supplications and prayers and intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men. So we talked about, again, a little bit about supplication. We spent the first night talking about that and what supplication is. Supplication is basically a petition, a petition where you earnestly come before God and you, you write it down. It's almost like a legal document where you petition God for some things. And so in doing so, you um, stand in faith and you believe God. And we talked about many saints of old who operated in the prayer of supplication and brought before God petitions. And lots of times when you're writing petitions, you will find that God will, um, he will invade that writing. He will, he will cause like the pen of a ready writer to come upon your hand. And that unction will come from him. And that unction that he gives, that vision is always going to be greater than your hand. It's always going to be greater than your resources. It's always going to be greater than your ability. And so, again, that's why we've got to write it down. And make it plain. Make it so that you can understand it and others who read it can understand it. We said, again, that petition is like, for example, something like this. It may go like this. I come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy to help in this time of need. And according to your word, I release my faith and I stand on your word. And you you bring that promise that's in God's word. You bring the word of God, the verses that you're standing on, to him and you put it in that petition. And then you say, I speak the word concerning that matter, and I receive wisdom, and I receive insight, and I believe you, Lord, for the ability to walk this out, for the patience that's needed, for the guidance, for the wisdom, all that's needed, Lord, and I declare it in Jesus' name. So have you done that? Have you taken some time to sit down and write a petition out to God? That you can come back and you can look at. And that would be concerning your own individual life again. It could be concerning your financial area. Pastor had us do that a couple of weeks ago. Have you been reading it? Have you been allowing it to just take root in you? Have you been praying over it? And maybe something ministry-wise. And maybe something in your profession something in your business, something in your family, something in your relationships. Amen? But you've got to have a vision. Because without a vision, what? The people perish. And so, it's important to write this down again. I'm going to encourage you to do that. To take some time. Start with one area. Don't start with them all. Start with one area that God puts in your heart to start with. You know, maybe it's an area of just watching the words over your mouth. Lord, help me to put a guard over my mouth. That the the meditation of my heart and the words of my lip would be acceptable to you, Lord. And you can petition God for his help, for heaven's help, for this help of the Holy Spirit concerning the words of your mouth. 
Whatever it is, I want to encourage you to move forward in that. Then we began to talk about how in 1 Timothy it says, supplications, prayers, intercessions. And that is the only place in the New Testament where intercessions is plural. And we talked about how intercessory prayer is simply prayer where you stand in the gap in behalf of another. It may be another person. And maybe something God wants to do in the earth. But you make up the hedge. And we talked about how, you know, there was hedges in the Old Testament that guarded specific cities and places. And sometimes there was a breach where the hedge had been removed. And ones would come alongside and step up and they would make up the hedge. Stand in the gap. So that there wasn't a hole. See? Like I just stepped in right here. There's a hole right here, PT. But I got out of it. (laughs) And that's how you get out of the hole, is you have people praying for you. You know, we need to pray for one another. That's what the Bible says. It admonishes us to pray for one another. We can get so stuck inside of our own stuff that we don't look outside of our territory into God's territory. And that's what happens when you yield to intercession. God brings you out of just your stuff and brings you out of just your territory that you're praying over and he brings you into his territory. And in his territory, you can travel around the world. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. It really is the only time that boundaries don't apply. See, you can get out of your yard into somebody else's, okay, in prayer. That's a powerful thing, amen? That you can stand in the gap in behalf of somebody. Somebody whose knees are weak because they've been standing so long their self. Somebody whose hands need to be lifted up. You know, we get situations all the time around here where people are in medical crisis, where they cannot pray for themselves. Spiritual crisis, emotional crisis, mental crisis, where they need somebody to come and begin to pray for them. I think about what... It must have been like for, remember the prophetess Anna who sat at the gate? Who all she did, her whole call, her whole life was to pray for the Messiah. Can you imagine the places that God took her in prayer? I mean, when we look at it on the outside, we see an old lady sitting in front of a gate praying it seems rather boring doesn't it (laughs) like who would want to do that who would give their whole life up to do that that's where you know it's a supernatural call of god and i know oh man can you imagine the places like i said that god took her to hold up all the things that jesus did in this earth life And not once did he sin. Somebody was praying for him. We gave examples last time of different ones that, um, that again, were intercessors, that we looked at examples. We're not going to go into those, but, you know, we talked about how um, Abraham was an intercessor. And how he interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah. And how he went from 50, if there's 50 righteous, down to 10. And then the Holy Ghost kind of just dropped that in my heart. Like, well, God would have spared the city if there was 10 righteous, but nobody stood for the other nine. What would have happened if somebody stood for the other nine? 
See, that's why we can't lean to our own understanding in prayer. We have to acknowledge him. And when we acknowledge him, he directs our path. So he's going to talk to you about the other nine. Hallelujah. We talked about how Jesus has prayed. He prayed for Peter, and he prayed for him that his faith would not fail. He said, Satan's desire to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. We talked about how praying for, Jer- for Jerusalem, that's intercessory prayer. How Paul, for this cause I bow my knee, that's intercessory prayer. So again, in First Peter we see that we are exhorted, we are encouraged, we are admonished to first of all bring supplications, petitions, prayers, intercessions, And tonight, I want to talk a little bit about the giving of thanks made for all men. We've got to reflect on what we're thankful for, what we're grateful for. It says, for kings and for all that are in authority, that, that we may live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So that's a great promise. How many of you want peace? How many of you want undisturbed composure? How many of you want to live a life in all godliness and honesty? How many of you want our political leaders, our spiritual leaders, you know, to have uh, godliness and honesty in their life? Well, there's a condition to that. And the condition is that we're to pray. Hallelujah. God's going to hold us, the church, responsible for what happens, especially in our territory, in our you know, government, federal government, in our state, in our local communities, in our schools. Come on. Hallelujah. We said that the qualifications found in Exodus chapter 18 verses 21 for leaders is that they need to fear God. They need to love truth and they need to hate covetousness. And we define covetousness. It's gain or profit for oneself. Covetousness is practiced in the heart and from the heart. It produces vanity, greediness, leads to injustice, oppression, leads to lying, leads to murder, and it leads to the departure of faith. Is there not a cause for us to pray? Our elections are coming up. We need to pray for judges. We need to pray for those that are going to step into positions of authority. We need to believe God. Amen? And so, we can give thanks ahead of time to God that as we pray, that he's going to move through our prayers. And these are the kind of prayers we talked about where, you know, like I was telling you, my son works for Caterpillar and he has these big earth-moving pieces of equipment that he uses. And how <clears throat> that's not something you could bring to your house. <laughs> you have to use those corporately. And there's things in prayer that we must do corporately. God is calling the body of Christ to prayer. We are in the last of the last days. And God needs you. Did you hear me? God needs you. He needs your voice. He needs your faith. He needs your supplication, your petitions, your intercessions, your prayers, and your giving of thanks. So we thank Him ahead of time. Do you know what it does when you begin to thank God? When you begin to come to the end like you're praying and all of a sudden that, that thanksgiving just rises up in your heart by the Spirit of God. Do you know what that does? It stirs gratitude. It stirs thanksgiving within your heart. And, and it's just it's a precious thing. Sometimes you do it by faith and the feelings come later. But they will come 
as you stir it up. Sometimes we have to see men. We're talking about men in authority or uh, kings and priests or, or parents. Even parenting could be qualified in people as people of authority. And sometimes we need to see some things not after the flesh but after the spirit. And if you don't step over that line, you're going to stay over here in a place where you have distortion. And where it's going to hinder your faith. If all you can see is the natural, you're going to be hindered and you're going to be tormented. You've got to step over that line, over the log, as some of the prayers used to call it. And you've got to get into the Spirit and you've got to pray from that place. There's a place in the Spirit that you can pray from. Where you can move and change things here in the earth. Well, your prayers influences the hearts of men. Sometimes we see certain things that go on, certain behaviors. I mean, really, honestly, we all have them. And those behaviors, those things, if they're left unchecked, they can grow. And what could be a little thing can become a big thing. And so we have to cut it off at the root. You see, that fruit that you're seeing out here, that manifestation of whatever it is, it's it's connected to a root. And you've got to pluck up that root. And too many times we just look at the fruit. And we react to the fruit. And we're not looking at what's caused it over here. And many times when it comes out, it, it has nothing to do with the root. It's just manifesting all over because the root of bitterness springs up. When people don't deal with things, it comes up somewhere. Somehow. You cannot conceal it. It's in there. And it's going to manifest. It's going to give expression. Okay? So, what we've got to do many times is we've got to turn our attention to not look at the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen, they're what? The Bible says they're temporary. They're subject to the word. They're subject to prayer. They're subject to change. Amen? And so we have to focus our attention on the positive things that we see. And when we, whatever you focus your attention on, that's what's going to be magnified. We know that. Isn't that true? So if I came over here and I said, uh, if I said to Robin, okay, Robin, tell me what you see. I see a red dot. (laughs) Okay, Robin, what do you see? Tell me what you see. See white paper. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. (laughs) See? If you look at the paper, most often the person who's looking at the paper is going to see the what? The red dot. Because that's what your eyes are drawn to. That's where your attention goes. But that's not what we all have here, is it? We don't just have a red dot. We have a, a huge white piece of paper. And so what are we going to focus on? Are we going to focus on the red dot? Are we going to focus on the paper? Ooh, come on now. Preach that. Thank you, Lord. When you focus on the red dot, that's all you're going to see. And if that's all you see, you're missing out. So we've got to, we've got to change our position on some things. Sometimes in prayer, we've got to give thanks ahead of time, don't we? Before we see it, we say, Lord, I thank you ahead of time for that. We pray that a lot around here. I encourage you to pray that. Lord, I just give you thanksgiving. You might have ashes in your life right now. It may be a very dark place for you. It may feel hopeless. You may feel helpless. But I'm telling you, God is good, 
And you've got to give thanks ahead of time. And he'll give you the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So when you begin to praise, you begin to stir it up again on the inside, you see. It's like that chili that you're making in the pot. When you put the spoon in there and you begin to stir it up. Pastor Tom makes really good chili. I'm telling you what, sometimes it settles, you see. And you've got to get in there and you've got to stir it up. And when you stir it up, it comes, oh, it comes to the top and you see all the good stuff. So you've got to stir up some things. Put on the garment of praise and stir it up. Put on the garment of praise and stir it up. If you can't praise yourself, put on a praise CD. Put on the garment of praise and stir it up. Have you noticed that that changes your countenance? Why? Because it changes your heart. It turns your frown upside down, doesn't it? Amen. And that's what you've got to do. You've got to put on the garment. And you know what? He gives you beauty for those ashes. He gives you the oil of joy for a morning. We all have losses. We all have situations in our life. Things didn't go. Disappointments the way that we thought they would go. That, oh, there's the garment of praise. There's the oil of joy. And it takes care of all that stuff. Hallelujah. I'm so glad. A person of prayer is a person of hope. Hope that does not disappoint. Hope that stands until. Hope that stands. A person of prayer is a person of love. A person that knows that love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out. So it never runs out on you, but it never runs out of flowing through you either. So when you have situations and people and all that kind of stuff that's going on around you, know this, that the love of God in you The love of God in you, it will never fail. It's not going to fail that situation. It's not going to fail that person. It's not going to run out. You're not going to run empty of a supply of God's love. It's not going to give up. When you want to give up, God's love won't let you give up. I'm telling you. God's love in you believes the best of every person. Its hopes are faithless under all circumstances. Amen. Amen. In prayer, God's vision for a person's life is given sight. Did you catch that? In prayer, a, a vision for a person's life is given life. It's given sight. You can see what God's called some people to. You can see what God's called you to. And in prayer, that incorruptible seed for that vision is planted. I said it's incorruptible seed, prayer seeds planted in your heart. In Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29, we can put that up there. It says this, And he said, speaking of Jesus, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring forth and grow up, and he knoweth not how. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle, because the harvest is come. Folks, you got to rejoice at the blade. And we're not talking about a knife. We're talking about the blade. You know, when you plant a seed, the little blade begins to break through the ground. And when you see that, you know that there's life there. You begin to rejoice at the blade. And so when there's things that are going on, as you're praying over your life and over the life of loved ones, over your country, over your nation, over the things that, that are affecting the earth today, you've got to rejoice when you see blades. Because if you don't, you're not going to get to the next step, which is, you know, the ear. 
Now, when that ear comes up, first of all, you can't eat a blade, can you? And when that ear comes up, when it first comes up, it's pretty hard and there's no flavor to it. I mean, you can't eat that either, can you? But if you continue to rejoice, guess what's going to happen? It's part of that spiritual nourishment that causes your seed to grow. And when you, when you rejoice, it's adding faith to it. It's feeding it. And it begins to grow. And then the ear in the corn becomes the full ear in the corn. I mean, that you can shuck, you know? You can, you can eat that. And it tastes good. The fruit of your prayers... It's going to taste so good. Hallelujah. Prayer seed. The parable of the mustard seed in verse 30, it says, And then he said to, What shall we like in the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we picture it? It's like a mustard seed, which is when, when it's sown into the ground, it's smaller than all the seeds of the earth. Now, think about that, guys. Sometimes think, people think, well, I didn't pray enough. I didn't pray long enough. I didn't pray hard enough. This says if you plant a seed the size of a mustard seed, the smallest seed, the smallest prayer. Don't you love Donnie Moore's prayer, God help? You just need to plant something. You need to get something in the ground. So you plant the seed, but when it's sown, this is what the word of God says. When it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now, I like that kind of fruit. Where not only does that, that, that prayer, that seed rise up and bless you, but it blesses others. Amen? There is a tree. It's called the Chinese bamboo tree. I want to tell you a little bit about it. <clears throat> In the Far East, there's a tree called the Chinese bamboo tree. This remarkable tree is different from most trees in that it doesn't grow in the usual fashion. Most trees, you plant them and they grow steady over a period of years. But the Chinese bamboo tree doesn't break ground and doesn't break through the ground for the first four years. Have you been there? (laughs) Then, in the fifth year, an amazing thing happens. The tree begins to grow at an astonishing rate. In fact, in a period of just five weeks, this Chinese bamboo tree can grow to a height of 90 feet in five weeks. It's almost as if you can actually see the tree growing before your very eyes. There's only one thing that's required of the people who grow these trees. And that one thing is faith. Because you see, if they didn't have faith to keep watering it, if they didn't have faith to keep feeding it, to fertilize the ground, that tree would never break forth. And the same thing is true for situations in your life. Sometimes you just got to pray over some things. And, and what happens is you're, that prayer, it's eternal. Words are eternal. Prayers are eternal. And so sometimes you're praying and you're laboring in prayer and it's like you're not seeing anything. And that's why Jesus said this. He said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Because it's easy sometimes, especially in the society that we live in, you want everything now to faint when you don't see a return like right away. But remember the Chinese bamboo tree, they didn't, you don't see them for four years. But all of a sudden, <laughs> all those prayers that are stored up, all those prayers that are undergirding that person, undergirding that situation, they're there, they're operative, they're active, as long as you have your faith attached to it. 
and all of a sudden. Sometimes the suddenlies are not so suddenly. It's things you've been praying about and praying for and petitioning for years. But suddenly, it springs forth and it grows 90 feet almost before your eyes. So, be not weary in well-doing, for you shall what? You shall what? You shall what? You shall reap if you faint not. Now, let's look quickly to Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to look at what Jesus said. We're still talking about supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. He's talking here about doing something else as you're in prayer. And this is going to help you a lot. He says, it says, then Jesus came. Uh, unto them in a place called Gethsemane. And he said unto the disciples, Sit here while I go yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. That was his praying partners. He had all of them with him, but he took his closest praying partners. And when you have situations that are life and death, you've got to take your closest covenant praying partners, people of faith, people who are going to stick by you, people who are going to speak the word with you. And not go out the back door and say something else about your situation. Okay? So, it says, you guys sit over here and we're going to go over there. Peter and John and the two sons of Zebedee. I'm I'm sorry. Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And they went and they began. It it says he was very sorrowful. And then he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. What does that mean? I mean, I don't really know. But was he tempted to take another way out? I mean, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way, such as we are. Was he tempted just to, you know, end his life there? He was tempted unto death. But he says, tarry here and watch with me. Watch and pray with me. Watch and pray. He's petitioning them. Watch with me. Pray with me. Help me. And then he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, O Father... If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now remember, that's the prayer of uh, consecration. And we need to pray that prayer too. Because sometimes it's not our will, but his will that needs to be done. And so he came unto the disciples, verse 40, and he found them what? Asleep. And he said unto Peter, could you not what? Watch with me one hour? You know what? Church, we've got to be awake in this hour. We can't be asleep. We've got to be the glorious church. And if you're sleeping, you're not going to be glorious. When you wake up in the morning, you don't look very glorious. (laughs) So we need to be the glorious church. So we've got to be awake. We can't be sleeping on the job. And you know, you know, even tonight I was driving here and I saw like all these cars. It was dusk. And the cars that were coming at me, and there was cars that had older headlights, and they were kind of dull. And then there was other ones, the cars coming at me, and they had halogen lights, and whoo, those were bright. But then there was other cars that their lights were out. And see, that's how the body of Christ is. And God's stirring us up, because he's, he's wanting to do some things, and he needs us. He needs us to come together. He needs us to pray. To pray in the Spirit. Because when we pray in the Spirit, we're in unity. We're in agreement. We're speaking the same thing. We're speaking heaven's language. God's doing some things. I'm telling you, He's doing some things. He's stirring the body of Christ to pray. There's new prayer assignments that He's given from heaven. And He wants to give one to you. Glory to God. And so again, it goes on to say, Jesus admonished them. Verse 41, he said, Watch and pray that you do what? You enter not into temptation. For the uh, spirit is what? But the flesh is what? The flesh is weak. Um, I want to tell you what that word weak means. It means that... um, 
in, in the spiritual sense, that the lower nature of a person or the seat of the vehicle of where sinful desires resides, that that's the place that people yield to when they find themselves weak. You know, David, he was supposed to be out on the field with his men. He wasn't out there. He should have been at least praying for them. But he wasn't. He was up on the roof. And when he was up there, he was feeling pretty lousy. I mean, when you're not in the will of God, I mean, it doesn't feel very good. And he was up there praying and temptation entered. Why? Because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. And so the spirit may be willing, but the flesh is weak. And we've got to know that. Jesus told us. We've got to watch and pray. We've got to be watching. And it's not the kind of watching where you watch TV and let it entertain you. It's not the kind of watching where you're sitting on a bench and people are walking by and you're just watching. You're watching with intent. You're watching with person, uh, purpose. You're watching with perseverance. You're watching. You're watching. And when you're watching with those kind of eyes, God's going to give you what? Sight of another kind. He's going to give you vision to see some things that you wouldn't otherwise see. Supernaturally, you'll see some things. You'll see the root of that matter and you'll be able to take care of it. You'll be able to pluck it up in prayer. Amen? You won't be reacting in the natural. You'll be responding in the spirit. And that's where we've got to be. We've got to be in that position. There's positions in prayer. And that is a position that you need to reside in. That you need to stand in. That you need to operate in. It's so important. Okay, let me see. I'm running out of time here, so let me just get going. I had lots of other examples, but of course, we're not going to be able to get to those. I want us to close with Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Because this is how we get equipped. See, God will call you to do some things, and we're all called to the office of reconciliation. Amen? Amen. And you do that through prayer. You do that through your life. You do that through words. We're all called to that office. And you've got to be equipped for it. So he'll call you, but then he'll do something else. He'll equip you. And as he's equipping you, he's going to prove you. And as he proves you, then you come to a place where he sends you. People get impatient. They want to be sent to whatever it is that God showed them, which is a glorious thing. But you see, there's an equipping time. There's a qualifying time. There's a proving time. A proving of faithfulness. A proving of growing in some things. A proving of developing your gift. A proving of coming under another. Amen? There's always that proving time. There's always that qualifying time. And then God sends you to do something. But then, that's not the end of the story. It starts again. He'll call you to another place. And sometimes there's places and rooms in prayer like this, too. But it's important to know that. So, we've got to be equipped. And we want to cover this passage of Scripture real quickly here. In Ephesians 6.10, it says... Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be what? Able. Did you catch that? That you might be able to do what? To stand against the wiles of the devil. That you might be able to stand. So that tells me without doing this that you can't stand. So we've got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We've got to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. (laughs) But we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be... Able. God will make you 
able, able to withstand in the evil day. What is the evil day? That's the day that the enemy comes to take the word. That's the day that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the evil day. But you're going to be able. Say it. I'm going to be able to stand. You're going to stand. And having done all to stand, you're going to stand, therefore. Not in your own strength. Not in your own might. But in the power of his might. In the power of his strength. In the power of his word. Amen. You're going to stand and you're going to stand strong and you're going to be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. Your leaf's not going to wither. You're not going to be uprooted. Amen? You're planted. You're rooted. You're established. You're fixed. That's you. So verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having girded the loins your waist with truth. I'm getting my versions mixed up here. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking, take it, take it. You got to take it. Take the shield of faith. You got to take it. You got to take it up. Take the shield of faith, which you will be able to quench all. That's not some of them. It's not most of them. It's all of them. All the fiery darts of the wicked one. Amen? You'll be able to quench them. And take the helmet of your salvation. You're the redeemed. And let the redeemed say so. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying how often? Always. That means have a spirit of prayer about you. Praying always with all manner of prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being what? Watchful. What did we talk about tonight? Watching and praying. Being watchful to this end with all what? Perseverance. I tell my grandkids this little thing. I can do it. I can do it if I really try. I can do it. I can do it if I really try. If I don't give up, I don't quit. I persevere. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe that? Amen. That's where the fruit is. With all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's powerful, isn't it? You know, there was a girl when I first went to one of my first spirit-filled churches, and she was over in the corner. I may have told this story before, but it came up in my heart tonight. And she was over there, and I was raised in a Baptist church where you had hymnals, and you sang a hymn, and you had, you know, two points, a poem, you know, a closing, that kind of thing. And so um, I saw her over there, and this was a new experience for me, and I saw her over there, and she was standing there, and she was like this. And she was doing something I wasn't familiar with. She was worshiping God with all of her heart, all of her soul, all of her might, all of her strength. And she was worshiping God, worshiping God, worshiping God. And God drew my eye. See, God drew my eye to her. God wanted me to see something. He wanted me to see her. Because when I saw her, it created something in me, a desire, a desire to, to know God like that. To worship God like that. To love God like that. I wanted to do that. And you know what? I couldn't just lift my hands and copy her. I had to do it. I had to learn how to do it. And when we're talking about prayer, there's things that we are perpetually going to be learning but you've got to do it. You can't just put your hands in the air. You've got to worship. 
in spirit and in truth. From the heart. You've got to worship from the heart. You've got to pray from the heart. To pray like the scriptures say to pray, Dr. Cho says this. To pray, you've got to have desire. But to pray like the scriptures, you've got to have strong desire. And you know what? you just got to flat out do it. You've got to do it. And the more you do it, I'm telling you, God begins to work something in you where the more you want to do it. Pretty soon you don't want to live without it. Pretty soon it's your way of life. And sometimes you can step away, but you don't get away. God will bring you back. He'll draw you back. That happens to all of us. You just make a change. If you go in the wrong direction, you just what? Turn around, go the right one. It's just that simple. We're going to do something for you tonight. We have so many books in the bookstore on prayer, I'm telling you. We have a huge list of them. And we want to get the word into you concerning prayer. So tonight, tonight only, they're going to be 50% off in the bookstore. So you can go in there and you can load up. You could probably get some books for, you know, a couple bucks. And you need to feed on this stuff. Feed on men of old who were prayers. And catch the spirit of prayer. My desire tonight is that you've been stirred. Stirred to want to pray. Stirred to want to see the hearts of men filled with the life of God. Remember we talked about George Whitfield. That was what moved him. The great desire. That's what motivated him. That's what caused desire in him to do the things he did preaching 40,000 sermons. Was that he wanted to see the hearts of men filled with the life of God. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Lord, we just thank you tonight. We thank you for this word. And we allow it, Lord, to settle down on the inside of us. We mutter these things. We ponder them. And we digest them. And we allow the nutrients of them to infiltrate our entire spirit, soul, and body, Lord. So that we become a vessel meant for your use. A vessel of honor. A vessel used by God in the earth. So I thank you for stirring that up on each and every one of us, Lord. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Help us to be watchmen on the tower.